What is good, everybody? Welcome back to Diamond Talk. We're back, man. We're, we're full go. Season's here. Opening day happened just a couple of days ago. We're hyped. We're souped. We're only one series in, so let's not get crazy. But I'm here with Rob and Nick. How you guys doing? I'm doing great, man. Nah, I, I, I disagree with you. Let's get super crazy. Let's just, let's just get super crazy already. Let's, let's let the hot takes roll. I'm already, all these, all these betting parlays already got me pissed off, so I'm ready to go. Yo, man, baseball's back, and I can't wait to go to Giants home opener, even though I'm not a Giants fan, but this Friday's going to be hyped. And uh, I'm wearing that first place Rockies jersey, so let's be careful with uh, not going crazy, because we got some first place teams that should be last place even at the start of the year. Oh, my fucking God. I'm glad you brought, you, you mentioned the fucking Rockies, because that's probably been the most interesting series I've seen. I'm pretty sure that CJ Crone, like, just might hit 800 this year, MVP, like, based on MVP, that series MVP, alone. Crone, yes. MVP already. Just book it. You know the craziest part about like the first part of the season is that CJ Crone had this amazing weekend against San Diego, right? I think he's had a home run two or three games. His his average is like last time I saw it, it was like at seven seven fifty, right? Like like insane shit, right? This is through like three games already. The first thing that goes to my mind is who's trading for CJ Crone at the deadline? What's his contract status? What who, who's CJ Crone gonna get help get to get to the playoffs this year? It, yo, it is nuts though, man. Yo, Nick, so so have you been watching the, the Rocky and the Padres so far this week? I watched the the recap games, uh, the, the condensed games. I've been working too much, but man, it's the Rockies don't look legit. They just beat the Padres somehow these these two out of three games. Like they don't look any better than they did last year. The Padres just aren't playing that well against them. And when you have a guy hitting like six sixty seven with three bombs in two games, it's kind of hard not to it's kind of hard to beat that. Um, I mean, they just they're putting up runs right now, and it's crazy that I mean, they're not a good offense, and they've scored 15 runs. You know, they've only given up 11. Like, it's just, it's baseball. That's all you can really say. This is what baseball is. You have a team like the Rockies coming out and smashing on the Padres first games of the year. <laughs> all right, let's start with, like, let's start with what our favorite things of this first opening weekend was. Because, you know, it, it's a long season. If anyone's panicking over anything right now, I'm not going to say you're dumb, but, but Jesus, like, come on. T take the sample size into consideration. But, but guys, what's been your favorite thing so far this, this opening week, man? And, and Nick, I'll stick with you, man. Uh, my two favorite things, I'm going to go individual performance, Garrett Cole. Um, I have him as the Cy Young winner for the AL. And he just came out there and shoved. I mean, his first seven outs were strikeouts, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And it's stupid. It's yeah, just, stupid. Yeah, like, and don't get me wrong. It's not like the Giants are a great offensive team, but they're better than striking out the first seven guys outside of the walk. Uh, but I love seeing Garrett Colby right there on top of the game. He deserves a Cy Young. He is he's the he's the best pitcher of the last few years as far as consistency. He's not the best pitcher in the game right now because you have guys like Kershaw who, what, six innings, nine strikeouts? Like, okay, you're not that old. Um, you got guys like Verlander and Scherzer who probably are better career-wise because they're longer. But each year, if there's a guy going into the year that I'm going to pick as a Cy Young or the best pitcher in baseball, it's going to be Garrett Cole because he has the stuff. He has the mentality. And it just seems like he really hasn't put it together in a year. So I like that start of the season to him. Outside of that, man, the Baltimore Orioles are running like their life depended on. It's like they're trying to cross the border or something and get away from the police. What? Wow. They've got, I think, three guys that have three to four stolen bases already. And I think they're already double-digit in teammates that have a stolen base. So that's going to be fun. That's going to be really, really fun. That young team with what they did last year, they're just coming out like, all right, you're going to make the bases bigger. You're going to limit the pickoffs. You're going to have a, give us a pitch clock. Fuck y'all. We're getting a walk is a guaranteed double of that team right now. And I love it. I love the stolen bases of the league and the Orioles are really showing what it can be all about. So those two things to me have really made the season start really exciting. 
Rob, man, what about you, dude? What's been your, your favorite thing about this first weekend? Yeah, man, I, I think, you know, I, I got to agree with Nick, not not necessarily just, you know, zoning in on the on the Orioles, but I think our expectations are being met in terms of like what we expected for to happen to the game with all these changes. I think the stolen base numbers are going to be ridiculous. Um, we're probably going to have guys, you know, pushing, Not you know, I don't want to make any guarantees about this season, but in the next couple seasons or so, we could get a guy here in the in you know who hits the 70 stolen base mark like it's it's that it's that serious of an impact especially with some of the guys that that we have out there on the on the base pass you know like me and daniel know we had anthony volpe uh debut for the yankees and he already has two stolen bases under his belt that's what that's what the strength of his game is yes he's a decent hitter yes he can he can be out there fielding for you but you want a guy like anthony volpe to get on the base pass because it gives a team like the yankees something that they haven't had in a while which is a legitimate stolen base threat like a guy that could literally steal second base every time that he's on first um i saw someone make a comment you know we could we could be in for a for even though it's not his type of game but we could be in for an aaron judge 30 35 stolen base season because that's the type of player that judge is judge will will run i think he had 15 or, or 20 stolen bases last year already um, so I think this change is definitely going to be impactful for a lot of the teams across the league. It's going to probably impact some of the players that a lot of teams target. You know, we, we, we're familiar with a guy like Tim LaCastro, who's right now playing over for, for the Mets. That's his strength. Tim LaCastro is all, is all about speed. He's, Tim LaCastro is essentially the, the perfect kind of guy that you want on a bench unit right now to be able to go out there and get these stolen bases. When you, when you think of different pinch running situations and all this kind of stuff to potentially end games. That's going to be very impactful when it comes to stealing bases. Um, you know, we know we have the situation where uh, once you go into extra innings, you have the the runner starting on second and all this stuff. Now it's going to be a little bit easier for those runners starting on second to potentially risk it and steal third and can definitely change a game like that. So I think I think it's definitely impressive that, you know, even though it was expected, we're, we're kind of seeing uh, even a, a, a higher amount of the stolen bases that we were expecting just to just through two or three games here for a lot of the teams. Um, and I think, you know, in, in terms of looking at something else, I think we have to like point out the pitching that we've been seeing. I think we look at a lot of a lot of elite arms. Yes, there were some guys that didn't start the season off uh, hot. But like Nick pointed out, you have Garrett Cole. You have a you have a Logan Webb who who faced him in that game who, yes, he, he gave up two home run balls. That's essentially what changed the game. But he was out there striking out the Yankees on par on par with Garrett Cole striking out the Giants. You had Shohei Otani being Shohei Otani. You had uh, Dylan Cease, who is just filth, like just going against the Houston Astros. And I think that's going to be, you know, a key for a guy like him. When we were talking about pitching, that was my main critique on him. You know, Dylan Cease has a lot of starts against AL Central teams, a lot against a lot of weaker competition. But you want to see a guy like Dylan Cease go. What does he do against the Yankees? What does he do against the Astros? What did he do against the Blue Jays? Like you want him facing those top end teams. Because he's going to be the difference maker for that for that White Sox team. And, you know, not for nothing. I don't know what your guys' opinion is. but And this isn't throwing any shade uh, towards, like, guys like Jose Ramirez, Vladimir Guerrero, Julio Rodriguez. I watched these first two or three games. And this is where, like, I don't want to say it's like a hot take. Because these are, like, three superstar players. But it really gave me the feeling watching these first couple games where it's like, we could really get a repeat of last year's AL MVP race with the top three guys being Otani, Judge, and Jordan Alvarez again. That's how those guys are out there playing. When you look at Shohei Otani, the pitching and offense that he's going to give you, we don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to dive too, too deep into it. We already know the kind of player that he is. Aaron Judge, with his hitting, he looks way too comfortable up there. Like 
look, Aaron Judge is going to give you strikeouts. That That's a foregone conclusion. He's also going to give you a crap ton of home runs. Like he legitimately, if he stays healthy, he legitimately will be able to have consecutive 50 plus home run seasons. I had, I had said 44 before the season. He could, he could very easily get to that 50. And we saw him just out there making diving plays. Like we always talk about probably one of the most underrated fielders in the game. Like people forget that aspect of his game. And Jordan Alvarez is just, he's a fucking monster. That, that's how, that's how we can simply say it. He is probably the best player overall, like hitting wise, just when you are terrified to see him at the plate that I have ever seen in an Astros uniform. And the Astros have had Great talent. You know, a, a little guy like Jose Altuve still scares the shit out of me. You know, Jeff Bagwell back in the day, great talent. But I don't think the Astros have ever had a player like this where it's almost like it's 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 more than a, a Juan Soto. It's more than a David Ortiz. It's it's on that bonds level. Right. Not stat wise. But when his stature, when he steps into the batting, the batter's box, you expect the game to change from a Jordan Alvarez at bat. And he continues to do that for the Astros. So I don't know, man. I, th I think, you know, we have Otani as the favorite for MVP, but it, it could very well be those same three again this year because there's a vibe to all three of them where you just see them, like, still being at the top of their games. You know, I, I, I'm, a couple of things they both of you guys mentioned, man. First, the Cole start with that Nick mentioned. Like, this is a big year for Cole from a per perception standpoint, right? Where, look, not for nothing, a team like the Giants – not the greatest offensive team, right? Mostly veteran guys who are kind of hanging on until their contracts right now, until the Giants figure out what kind of team they really want to be. Um, but a team like that is one that you have to perform against. It's a team that you have to put up gaudy numbers against, which, you know, Garrett Cole did. When it comes to the stuff with Judge and Ramirez and Otani, we're at a point where there's a clear separator, right? Where hate it, love it. Think I'm full of shit, think I'm a homer or not. Judge has gone to legendary player type status. And look, you break a record, that kind of just catapults you there. And we've seen it. If Aaron Judge hits 55 home runs and steals those 30 bases, no one will talk about those 30 bases, stolen bases, but they will be there, right? It's like the defense. Nobody talks about the defense. He could have won a gold glove in center field if he had, if he had played enough games there last year. He could have won a Golden Glove in right field if he had played enough games there. He's that kind of he's that kind of athlete, which is something we don't usually say about someone who's six seven who can also blast sixty somewhat home runs. Guys like Altuve, guys like like Vladimir Guerrero, I think they're they're superstars, superstars in the game. I don't as of this point, I don't think we've seen anything that has moved them up to legendary status. Right? They kind of sit with like the Machados and the, and the Arenados, who I think we all think they're they're superstar players. But I don't think we can say they're legendary players because we have seen guys do similar things from, like, you know, across a career standpoint, right? Like, if you looked at the Scott Rowland numbers and said, Scott Rowland's not a Hall of Famer, well, guess what? Nolan Arenado and, and Manuel Chano have, like, Scott Rowland-type numbers, right? So Aaron Judge just had a different stratosphere, and he's been there since rookie year, right? In rookie year, he got 50-something home runs, right? Like, so it's it's there. My, my key takeaway for, for, from this weekend has been – one, I think we saw one of the games of the year early on with Blue Jays and, and Cardinals. The Blue Jays and Cardinals' first game of the series was awesome. You had everything. Jordan Walker got his first hit of his career, the first of his many of his NL MVP campaign. Um, you saw uh, <laughs> you saw some of the 
you saw some of the great hitting in in, in the Blue Jays where it wasn't just bombing away. It was these guys are going to be annoying. Dalton Barsho, I think, is going to be a pain in the butt for the AL East. Just seeing him in that cleanup spot at first, I was kind of like, all right, well, that, that's weird. You have a lot of you have a lot of great hitters in that lineup. I, I you know it's hard to see Barsho there, and then I saw him there in that lineup, and I'm like, oh, holy shit, this actually makes a lot of sense. Barsho can be in for a big year. Um, Barsho can be a sleeper MVP pick, and I know again it's the first weekend, right? So we're gonna overreact and say a bunch of shit, but I see a different Barsho in that Blue Jays lineup than I did in that Diamondbacks lineup, and it's one of those things where I think Blue Jays got a steal in that. I'm actually surprised that Arizona gave him up, and I get it. Like they have 18 million like outfielders that are fast as hell. Drew Jones is, is coming up eventually, and maybe you have a hard fit for Barsho. But Barsha's a great athlete that I think you could have found a spot for him in your on your roster. So the fact that he's not playing uh, for you now, I think that's a that's a little bit weird. But that that was my biggest takeaway, man. It's like I I think there's a, there's a world where the Cardinals and the Blue Jays end up in the World Series. Granted, after watching a series, it's like okay, well, Cardinals, your pitching has to step up. <laughs> your pitching kind of sucked, right? Like it, it, it is what it is. I, I don't. If we were playing more, like, we, we dropped down the division games from, like, I think it was, like, something in the 30s down to only 24. So, you play a lot more more league play, a lot more interleague play. And I think that's going to hurt teams in the Central. That's going to hurt the Cardinals. That's also going to hurt the AL Central, right? It's going to hurt the Guardians. It's going to hurt the White Sox, right? And if the Cardinals had as many games against the NL Central that they usually have, I would say that's not it's a non-issue. Because the NL Central really does suck, man. Like it's not it's not something that we're gonna say. Oh, look at how competitive this division is. Same thing, same thing, same thing with the AL Central. Dylan C is amazing start. We had that conversation right when we were talking about the the pitchers. As oh, if Dylan C was on the Astros, we look at him a lot differently because we think of him as like the best pitcher in the league um, compared to what we do now because he's the White Sox and the White Sox are kind of iffy. And he came out and showed it right. Like you come out and you have that pitching performance against the reigning champs, that that's hard to do. So I, you know, it, it was a great first weekend. What are some things, what are some storylines that you guys see developing o- over the year that you guys are going to follow? Rob, I'll start off with you, man. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, there's a couple. Look, you just mentioned, to touch on it quickly, when you were talking about Aaron Judge and you brought up the potential of 50 home runs and, and 30 stolen bases, not to just focus on Aaron Judge because, you know, we could put a guy like Shohei Otani in that same conversation, but that, that's never been done before. A 50 home run, 30 stolen base season might seem too many like, oh, like it's nothing. It's never been done before. Like we've had 30, obviously 30, 30 members, 40, 40 members. We've never had something like a, like a power hitting guy is one of the best power hitters in the league hitting 50 bombs and also going for 30 stolen bases. When you talk about, you know, having to, having to, have another historic season to potentially beat uh, Shohei Otani in an MVP race. That's another part of history, right? That's another, that's another thing that could, that could be another history making season for, for Aaron judge. Um, And look, I I think we all, we all saw it this weekend too. Um, And this kind of falls in again, don't want to make it seem like a super hot take, but I mean, Adley Rushman is a superstar, man. Like Adley Rushman is going, I, I, I don't want to make any type of, of, like crazy statements, but like in terms of impact and what he might end up doing for this Baltimore Orioles team, it's probably going to be slightly better than Julio Rodriguez. 
like in terms of what he can do for this Orioles team now, because you you see that there's so many things that he has to take care of. We've talked about it before, like a guy like Yadier Molina. It's a tough standard to set, but when you have a catcher of that caliber that you trust with your pitching staff, that changes the game because it doesn't have to turn into a situation of, yeah, we have the best pitchers in the league, right? I don't think I don't think at any point in in you know, the St. Louis Cardinals having like, you know, Yadier Molina and, and winning the titles that they did while, y- while Yadi was there, right? Like, sure, you can look at a guy like Adam Wainwright, but like you mentioned, like, I don't think there's ever been a season where we've looked at the St. Louis Cardinals and been like, oh, their pitching is like that crazy. You know, like they're, they have they have all these superstars compared to in their rotation compared to a lot of the teams in the league. I think a guy like Adley Rushman, what he can do behind the plate for that pitching staff, for a lot of guys that are still you know, let's be honest here, no name guys. Like a lot of a lot of guys on the Baltimore Orioles pitching staff are not, are still not very known to, you know, the casual baseball fan, right? Yeah, yeah, they're known to guys that are always watching the games, but again, if you if you ask a a, a normal casual fan like to name you a, a Baltimore Orioles starting pitcher, the name that might come up still is John Means, who missed the entirety of last season, like in ter- in terms of that, you know, so I, I think Adley Rushman is just going to be a huge, huge difference maker for the Baltimore Orioles. We saw what he's been doing against the Boston Red Sox in this opening series. And again, just the opening series. But we have to remember, he, he finished second in AL, in AL Rookie of the Year voting to Julio Rodriguez last season. I think this could be a, a very big year for Adley Rushman. I know we've had conversations before of, of him, you know, potentially getting MVP votes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he definitely should. Like, if you tell me Adley Rushman is going to finish top 10 in MVP voting, yeah, that should be a safe lock because I think that's the caliber of player that that he's showing to be. And it's exciting, man. It's exciting if, if you're a Baltimore Orioles fan. Again, I, I have them as a brink team. Like, if they if you tell me that the Orioles take, you know, the, the second or third wild card this season, like, go crazy. I don't have them in my, in my postseason picture, but it, I don't have them far. You know, I'm not saying that the Orioles are, are going to have a sub-500 season. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do. The, the crazy part about the Adley Rushman like impact is the Orioles have a mediocre at best pitching staff, right? Yeah, we're looking at Grace Rodriguez. Maybe he comes up and maybe he's that he's an ace type guy. We have no proof of that yet, right? It, it is what it is, right? He's, 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 this is first year pitching the majors. Maybe he maybe he tears it up like we like we think he can. Maybe he fucking sucks. Who knows? But aside from Grayson and like you mentioned, John Means. There isn't anybody on that pitching staff that you're like, yeah, that's the guy that's gonna carry this ball team, on, the, the, this the, the squad on like from the rotation to right. make us a playoff team. The impact of Adley Rushman, which started last year, was everyone on that pitching staff got better when Adley got there. Even even last night, which which was Saturday night, they lose to the they lose to the Red Sox on a walk off. You know, people might say, oh, Felix Bautista is insane. No, like, dude, that that game was done. Right, your left fielder drops the ball. Now you get a home run. But Ad- Adley Rushman is going to do more as far as like an impact for his team than is going to be credited for because it doesn't go in the staff book under Adley, right? But like you mentioned last year, man, look, we we all love Julio Rodriguez. We we all love him. But the truth was, in my opinion, Adley had a bigger impact for that club in its entirety. Right, if you would have started the year on the roster kind of like Julio did, there's there's a good chance that the the Orioles finished third of, ahead of the Rays. I, I honestly think that, right? Where, you know, we're, he's not he's gonna miss MVP votes, 
because a lot of the numbers that some other guys get, like Shohei or Judge, that you can't see as far as impact on the staff, those aren't going to get considered when voting, but they absolutely should because I, I think the impact he makes is, is incredible. That you can't, you can't even see the impact he makes. It's, you know, it, it's kind of hidden, right? And then I'm sure you can find the defensive metrics and pitching metrics, but it's really just he's the team's going to be way better while he's on when he's behind the plate than when he's not. Nick, man, I'll kick it over to you, dude. What, what's your what storyline you're following? I'll continue the Adley Rushman a little bit just because, look, man, there's there's certain players who come up big in the moments, and <clears throat> I don't know how many people saw the video of him last year. Where as soon as he goes first game, he just stands there and, like, does a 360 and looks at the whole crowd, looks down the lines, and he's taking it in. He's he's enjoying the moment, and that kind of set the tone for him. I mean, opening day, he goes off for five hits, and the way Adley Rushman's going to get MVP this year is if he has big games and big moments, and to start the year, opening day, here I am, world, here's my five hits, suck on that. Like, when he plays the Yankees, if he steps up against the Yankees, when he plays these top teams, when they play the Astros, they play every team in baseball this year. When they play the Dodgers, on those stages, if he's this guy and he steps up in these moments, that's how he's going to get his MVP. And so far, he is on point. Every single time that he needs to do something, he's doing it. And what you're talking about, Daniel, is the stuff that he's going to add to the team that you don't see in the score, in the box score. It's going to be on camera. And when he does it in the big moments, He's going to get some votes that way. And while the numbers may not be there, he's going to get his shine. Uh, for me, the storyline, I'm going to go do one good, one bad. The bad is the Royals. My God. my the Okay, the Twins, Pablo Lopez, congratulations. You just got Sandy Koufax of the modern era. Holy, what are you doing, Royals? And don't get me wrong, their offense is not that good. But you can't get shut out for two games against the Twins. Sonny Gray. No, man, that guy should not be going five innings. No, that is just gross. The Royals, you know, with the talent they have and the MJ Melendezes and the, the Bobby Witts, uh, the Pasquatch, you know, Vinny Pasquantino, they've got some good guys coming up, but that is a gross start to the season. And if that's foretelling at all, that's going to be a storyline that's going to be terrible. And then one other, man, the Angels have become the, the worst organization in baseball. When you've got Otani, doing something that has only been done 25 other times since 1901 and a loss. So he's the only guy to do it. And then you've got Anthony Rendon back from injury, trying to go back on injury by losing a fight to a fan. Like, come on, man, don't hurt your hand again on a fan's face. That is first game of the year. And you're being worried about being called a bitch by an Oakland A's fan. The only reason you could hear him is because he's one of 17 fans in the crowd. Like pick your spots, man. That's a bad look. The angels are Otani. I just want him out of there. So he doesn't have to be around that that just rat's nest of terrible everything from ownership to front office to not winning to a guy who's got his first regular season game in like two and a half years trying to pick fights with fans afterwards. That's just bad on the good side, man. I'm just liking the competition, how, how even it seems to be so far, but in particular, shout out to the Cleveland guardians. Like they're in the, the AL mid, you know, the AL central really worried about them. Look, man, they, they straight up have beat the Mariners who are, a very good pick by a lot of people, and they have just straight beat them. The Mariners did not play bad. They're not making errors. They are not pitching bad. I watched all those games. Condensed games give you that, but the Mariners didn't look bad. The, the Guardians just beat them, and we're talking about the stolen bases. Man, Jose Ramirez might be 50-50. Like, like he's got that kind of pop, and now if he's going to be able to let run like that, and that's the way the steals are going to be, um, Jose Ramirez is a good shot for MVP this year if the Steels are really going to stay this way. But their pitching staff, even with losing Tristan McKenzie so early, 
they look good and they look like they're trying to tell people, hey, we are a serious team. Don't don't lump us in with the rest of these, you know, ten, nine other central teams between the NL and the AL. We are a good team. We are going to be here for a minute. They're putting the bat on the ball. They're running the bases. They're playing defense. They're pitching well, both starting and bullpen. And then you've got, you know, you can make the debate that Terry Francona is the best manager in the game. He always gets the most out of every team he's ever managed. And it's it was fun to watch those games. You know, shout out to the Cleveland Guardians. They could really run away with the Central because the White Sox with their new manager aren't looking that much better. And they've got some performances coming out of there with the Dylan Cease, like we already talked about. Yohan Moncada's decided to hit it. I mean, it's just a couple games, but he's looking pretty good at the plate. So I really like watching the Guardians this weekend. Um, I'm really interested to tune into them. Plus, I like the way their team plays. Andres Jimenez just got that extension. So they're starting to lock up their guys. Jose Ramirez is extended. Um, Shane Bieber is looking like he wants to go out there and be a Cy Young this year. So lots of good performances out of that team all the way across the board. And you know they've got the passion with Josh Naylor at first base. Like, there's no way. There might not there might not be a more passionate player in the game than Josh Naylor. Could be good, could be bad. But I like watching that first series out of them. So the AL Central, I mean, the Twins are not this good. They're not going to throw this many. They might not throw two more shutouts the rest of the year. So they got those two out of the way, and we're just going to be over it. But, um, yeah, that the, the good was definitely the Guardians for me. And then the bad is definitely the Angels as an organization. That was just gross. That was terrible. It, it's hard to talk shit about them just because, like, you mentioned this a while back. They're the, they're the AL Mets. That is, that is to a T kind of what they've, what they've been. It is, it is nuts. I, you know, for me, one of my takeaways this weekend is, for the most part, like, for me, I had every team that made the playoffs last year making the playoffs again this year for the most part. And statistically, that's unreasonable. Right, like statistically, usually we do have some turnover, especially at the bottom there. And there's three teams in specifically that I'm that I'm worried about, and I think it's because they had such a hype season last year, and they ended the season on such a hype that I think it's gonna be a struggle for them to kind of get off the gates. One of those teams is the Padres. Look, the last time we saw the Padres, it was you know rainstorm out out there in San Diego, beating the Dodgers, then playing the NLCS against the you know against the Phillies where. Those games were absolutely intense. Then you come back against the Rockies and you're flat. Like, look, if you watch any of the games, I'm lucky enough where where the Padres aren't in my like local zone or whatever, so I can watch Padre games. So I got to see a little bit. They're flat as hell, right? Like, like the only one who has life, I hate to say, it, is Manny Machado. Juan Soto looks lifeless. Bogarts actually looks really good. Bo- Bogarts looks really good, but everyone else, man, look, Kim at second base, he's there for his defense. I can't tell he's he's made two errors and he's he's missed on a couple plays that he should have made on defense already, right? Conanworth gets his extension. I don't know where Padres are getting this money from, but Daddy, please pay me. I I want to be your child. Just give me money. But my, my point with the Padres is though, like they, they come they came out pretty flat. The the pitching looks awful, right? Like like CJ Crone, either you're gonna have the best season in your life or Padres figure it out because he's absolutely owning them, right? Montero, the third baseman who came out of fucking nowhere out here crushing homers, right, in key situations. So Padres have some work to do. Two, two other teams that I'm worried about is Philadelphia. Philadelphia has, has the injuries. We all knew that. But the one thing that needs to carry them is their pitching. Dude, Zach Wheeler wasn't Zach Wheeler. Aaron Nola wasn't Aaron Nola, right? If you're going to go far this year, you're going to need those guys. And they, you know, 
there's always attrition whenever you make the World Series and lose, right? Statistically, it's hard to lose a championship and come back and be just as good, whether it's the psychology or whatever it is. It just tends to, to happen, right? And we've already talked about Philadelphia being a brink team. Of, you know, they're probably one of the teams that falls off and doesn't make the playoffs again this year. A lot because of injuries, a lot just because it's a competitive NL. And then lastly, the Mariners. Look, I, I think the Mariners are good enough that they're going to make the playoffs again. I don't think that the Angels make it. We've already talked about some of the problems. But they're a team that, let's, let's be honest, last year was, it was mostly hype, right? When your entire season is predicated on, oh, we haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. We can do it this year. That hypes you up, right? This year it's going to be like, oh, let's show them that this wasn't fake, right? Like, that's a different, that's a different kind of motivation. It's more of a defensive motivation. And they've come out against the, the Cleveland Guardians, and they've played kind of defensive, right? Luis Castillo did a great job in his start. But after that, it was kind of like, eh, these guys are kind of beatable, right? Like Nick mentioned, they're probably not going to get swept at any point this season because their starting pitching isn't that good. But the Guardians are a team that you have to beat if you're going to be competitive, right? Like, not, not that the Guardians are a bad team, but if you're a team like the Mariners, who, who let's be honest, you're a world, it's World Series or bust for you. Right, you made the playoffs check mark, right? Are you gonna incrementally get better? I don't know how many fans really want to see that. You're at you're at a point where you're gonna be competing for a world series. That rotation you have, it's a world series rotation. So again, early on. So I'm not saying like season's over, bitches. I'm saying it, it's gonna be it's something that I, I'm gonna follow. Because again, attrition is gonna happen. It just comes it just there. One thing real quick on the Mariners is like we're gonna about to see their death because Robbie Ray was hurt. He is hurt, might go on the IL. So and I mean, luckily for them, he's arguably their number three, but that's a good number three. But we're going to see their depth and see how they can pull through. You know, they definitely look flat a little bit, but, you know, I I think the Guardians really just beat them in that series. And if you have Robbie Ray, who's not feeling well, he's not going to be on top of his game. You kind of just got to chalk that one up to a loss. But uh, yeah, the Mariners do need to prove themselves this year and at least fight for the division for sure. Uh, absolutely, man. All right, look, let's get let's get to the absolutely fucking wild part. This, this, this is my favorite part of it. I want to hear your hottest fucking take after first weekend. Your hottest take. Good, bad, ugly, fucking whatever it is, right? Uh, I, I want to hear it. Nick, I'll, I'll start with you, man. You usually, you usually got some pretty hot takes. And I don't want to say this one, but the Dodgers just keep putting out people you don't fucking know about. So Trace Thompson about to be the best Curry brother, or bet the, uh, three, the best Thompson Three brother. home run game. Three home yeah. run game from fucking Trace Thompson. Right. What the motherfucker? Right. Like, out of nowhere. And it's just, you know, the Dodgers always seem to pull guys out of nowhere that you don't really think are doing any good. He's never played more than 80 games in a season. If he plays the full season, I, I'm not saying he's going to break any sort of records, but with the history the Dodgers have of just getting guys out of nowhere, he might be the best Thompson brother at the end of the season. If there was a betting line in Vegas, is Trace Thompson more likely to hit a three-pointer in an NBA game or hit three home runs in a game, you fucking bet I would slam the three-pointer in an NBA game. He That's just said his own single season high with the one game. He's I don't even know if he's hit more than three games in a season, but no, that that that's that's my hot take. Trace Trace Thompson is going to lead the NL in home runs, and he's gonna he's gonna play over 130 games, uh, and be uh, he's gonna be that guy that nobody thought he was gonna be, ever, including his is dad. Tristan Thompson. Is Tristan Thompson gonna come play shortstop for the Dodgers? That's the real question on everybody's mind. Um, yo, 
Rob, Rob, what's your hot take, man? It's only it's only been like it's only been like three games, and I'm over here just in my mind, just already taking victory laps on the Dod- on the Dodgers, even though there's like a because I dude, I've been saying it, I've been saying it. Y'all y'all shit, y'all just shit it on San Diego. I told you, yeah. Y'all shit, yo, San Diego, San Diego is gonna go down. That like this, this might be partially my hot take, bro. Does San, San Diego might miss the postseason? Like uh, three games into the to, to the season, like yo, like honestly, we keep hyping up San Diego and they keep spending all this money. Like, like you just said, where are they getting this money from, dude? They literally have, like, when you look at teams that we've seen recently, they have four of the top twenty-five hitters in the game in the entire game of baseball. They have Jake Cronenworth, who is an all-star caliber player, who they just extended. Uh, like, and additionally in that lineup, they have Kim from who came over from Korea who didn't have a crazy, you know, start to his career, but he could put up some decent numbers, man. He was he was one of the best hitters in the Korean league when he came over. Like, they have all these pieces. They have Brink starting pitchers. Yes, they didn't make our top 20, but they were, you know, Joe Mosgrove, you Darvish, they were in that top 25 conversation. Like, they have all of the all of this talent, and it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, they don't convince me. They really just don't convince me when I watch them play baseball. They're not a team that looks like, it, it looks like, okay, like you grabbed a bunch of talent and just here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. It doesn't look like a team that's like functioning together to like potentially win. And I, yo, I said it when we talked about predictions, like people, a lot of people let themselves go by like, yes, the Padres got in the playoffs and they got in the NLCS and all that stuff. And they completely wiped out of their head that the Padres were arguably one of the worst contenders when it came to regular season baseball last year. You could honestly put the Padres and Yankees both right there in that conversation of like contenders that you kind of saw last year that were like, oh, are you really a contender? Like the way that you're playing baseball in the regular season? Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think a lot of people were high on the Padres. Like I said before, this this is still the the Dodgers division to lose, in my opinion. They make it work. They make it work more than having to spend 500, 600, 700 million dollars on bringing in all this talent. Like, people forget the Dodgers still have two of the top players in the game. All they need is, like, some sub, you know, pieces around them. They make it work with their system. We spend a lot of time hyping the Dodgers system up. Like, we see the Dodgers as, you know, going back a little bit to the Angels conversation, we see the Dodgers as the betting favorite for Shohei Otani's next destination, right? And even though it makes me sick to my stomach to think that Shohei Otani is going to be in Dodger blue, for the game of baseball, it might be the best thing. If, and and that's hard to say, but for the game of baseball, it might be the best thing. Having Shohei Otani on that national stage with, with a team like the Dodgers instead of the Angels, because of what the Dodgers have put together, it might be the best thing for him. So, you know, just sticking sticking to that, I think you know, I think my hot take has to be that the San Diego Padres might not make the postseason. Like it's it's they're not a team that plays that plays team baseball. And and I know that the team is not complete, right? Like Fernando Tatis Jr. still isn't there. But we all know that even though we can argue that Fernando Tatis Jr. might be the best talent that they have on that team, he also carries the most baggage, like we've talked about before. He's gonna come in with the biggest narratives, right? If like, is he gonna is he gonna come back from his PD suspension being the same Fernando Tatis Jr., which a lot of us expect, but we don't know. So I think on their end, man, you have to look at San Diego's start to this season, especially because of who they're playing. Like, like I get if they were opening the seat, right? If this was like San Diego Atlanta. To open up the season and San Diego's just like blowing a, a series to the Atlanta Braves. You're like, well, 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 shit, it's the Atlanta Braves, right? But for you, for you to get out there and just look like 
you know, you're you're lost against the Colorado Rockies, who literally are not like the Colorado Rockies are not in the business of winning baseball. Like they are not. That is factual. Look at their team. They are not. I don't know what money you're spending, like in what areas. We we brought up CJ Cron. Yo, I looked it up earlier. CJ Cron is making seven point two million dollars this season. Seven point two million dollars this season. Any team could take on that CJ Cron contract and send the Rockies some prospects their way. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. San Diego's looking extremely flat out the gate. Yeah, look, I, I'll be honest, man. Look, that's a four-game series. I, if I'm putting money on it, I put money that the Padres win today and they even it out. I, I, so here's, here's, here's the problem, like, early season, and this, this is everybody in the fucking world, right? People forget over, over 162 games, there's attrition, right? They're, they're, it just kind of balances to what it has to balance. So there's games where, or like, the, again, Yankee Twitter. Yankees lost to, to Giants Saturday. You're dumb as hell if you think they're going to sweep every team that didn't make the playoffs. It doesn't work like that. Like, it just, it just doesn't work like that, right? Like, these are professionals. Like, not only are you going to have bad games, you're also going to have games where people overperform. You're also going to have games where you're just not there, right? And to your point, the Dodgers do a great job of, of making sure that 162 is as good as that 162 is, right? Padres historically don't, which takes me to my kind of hot take. And, and it's, it's going to be kind of like a two to one. First is, we might have overhyped Juan Soto. I, 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 I'm expecting gasp here. I, I, I want gasp. I'm half three. I want both of you to gasp. Just respect. One, two, three. <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, look. I, I, I think we might have. I'm looking at Juan Soto, and there's things last year they still did great. He still led the, the, the MLB in walks, right? So his on base is still getting up there. but. When he swings the bat, he's not having the same results. There's a lot less success when he's putting the ball in play. There's a lot less success of, like, he, he rolls over more now than he has in any, at any point in his career when he was on the Nationals. And I don't know if I'm just being super critical because every time I see it, it's, it's you know, a weak, a, a weak ground ball to the right side, right? It's not even hard contact anymore. I'm not saying that Juan Soto is a different guy than we thought he was. I just haven't seen the the development, right? Because I think when we were kind of like, when he was 21, 22, we were like, oh, look how good he is right now. How much better is he going to get as he progresses, as he gets stronger? It just it just hasn't happened, right? At least at least not last year and, and early indications this year. Early, three games this year, right? Um, you know, one thing I noticed is his batting stance is different. For whatever reason, he, he, he went away from what's working. He's a little bit more upright now. I don't. I don't know if he's comfortable with that swing path yet. What I'll tell you exactly why. He had a conversation with Albert Pujols because Albert Pujols is really low in his early career, and he realized his legs can't handle it. And he had a conversation with Albert Pujols. I think he's working on getting out of that so he can extend his career like Albert Pujols did. I mean, possibly. I think that's a great explanation for it. However, you got to have the, the 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 stats to back that shit up. Honestly, because longevity is awesome. But if you're if you're gonna be like above average as opposed to legendary as we thought you were going to be, it's a different conversation, right? Um, it, it, I'm not saying that like he isn't making an impact, but he, I don't think he's seeing the ball the same. When he's swinging, I don't think he's used to that plane and it's leading to a lot of weak contact. He just does not look like the Juan Soto that we expected to be, a guy that you stick in the middle of the lineup and say, yo, you have, a, you have one on top of in the game. 
just doesn't look like that to me right now. Dude, um, you know, you know what's scary about Juan Soto too is that like what you pointed out, he has such an you know, you know, like you said, we have to see the stats, right? And he's kind of like that guy where it's like, if you're under, uh, and you can't say this for a lot of guys, but for Juan Soto, I'm like, if you're under a 900 OPS, like that's not what I want to see from you. And it's kind of tough because you can argue that he has an easier road to get to that 900 OPS because his on base percentage is always like one of the highest in the league. So like, you're already like more than like almost halfway there. So it always ends up like, why aren't you slugging? Like, I don't want to say that he's not slugging to like his level because Juan Soto has never really been like a 50 homer guy either, right? Like he's just a guy who like, okay, he, he'll, he'll get you 30 to 35 homers. He could be an RBI machine for you, but he, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like his on-base percentage, his slugging gets you a really good OPS with, you know, his RBI production and his walks. Like he's not going to lead, he's not going to lead the league in home runs like, oh, three, four years. Like it's not going to happen. But I think that's what you're pointing out as well. It's like the fact that we're seeing his slugging like be so impacted, like he's not making like significant contact with the ball like he was making when he was a national. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely, Matt. Just over, over this weekend, right? Runner on, run on second, Juan Soto up. That's an RBI situation for you. That's not a get him over pitch if, if, if you're Juan Soto. Like, yeah, he got him over fucking great. But you're not, that's not the guy, that's not the half a billion dollar guy that we were expecting right that's not the oh shit like let's start saving money now somebody go start a go fund me for our team so we can sign soto he's just not that guy right now and you know at one point i think you were scared to, to pitch the soto because one he has great eye so you have to come into the zone and then when you came into the zone he's gonna make con he's gonna make good contact Right, either either a double in the gap, whatever it may be, he has the power to drive it over the wall. Right, about thirty home runs. That's not it right now, man. I think right now, if if you miss in, you'll 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 probably pay with Soto, but anything out and away, we contact. Like it's just like I think his his best hit was the one like his first at bat, WBC drove it off the wall. That's classic Soto, but. Since that, like he kind of just tried pulling everything right. He didn't really have a great WBC. He was kind of just like, eh, cool, which kind of led to DR being fucking trash. Um, anyway, man, and then kind of one, this hot take kind of Nick, man. I, I, I've been looking at some, uh, O'Neill Cruz, and my comparison to him, just because he's a lefty, and because of his power, is how does he stack up to some of the stuff that. Juan Soto was doing early in his career. Well, the one thing I've seen from, from O'Neill Cruz so far this year is the plate discipline. He He's had the plate discipline this year that I did not expect to see. He has a plate discipline this year that I would not have been able to be like, yeah, he has it. You put that with his talent where he's an Aaron Judge power type guy, right? I don't, I'm not going to say he has an Aaron Judge consistency type swing at this point in his career, but he has that kind of power. He's six fucking seven. He runs like a gazelle. He's the fastest, hardest-hitting baseball player there is at, in the MLB statistically right now. If he can tie that shit in together with, with play discipline, we're talking about him in the same conversation as a you know, prime Tatis Jr. We're talking him at, in the same conversations as these ridiculous alien human beings that are running the game right now. Right? He, he would be in something like an Otani conversation. He'd be something in an Aaron Judge conversation. 
Now, look, that's high praise. You still have to put it together, right? You still have to make consistent contact with it. But what I saw this weekend and, and his, his discipline at the plate, I, I'm encouraged. Like, oh, shit, maybe maybe he did something this offseason to get better at that part of the game because that's always been his question. Um, so, I mean, I guess if we're going to throw a hot take in there is, is I, I can see a world where he finishes in, in the MVP voting, even though he's playing for the fucking Pittsburgh Pirates, who still, uh, him and Brian Reynolds are, are – uh, Brian Reynolds situation, by the way, I, I just want to mention it. Right now, the, the last offer for Brian Reynolds was about $103 million over, I think, six years or something like that, or 10 years. Something that put him to his year. Yeah, yeah it, okay. was, it was very similar to the uh, Ronald Cunha extension, his first extension. Gotcha. What people, what people don't realize is Brian Reynolds is like 28 right now. So any contract extension that he has would take him to his age 38 year which means he's likely not in play for, for a next contract. So I, at first when I was looking at the numbers, I was like, yo, $103 million for Brian Reynolds? That's nothing. When you take into consideration he's not an, a free agent until 2026, there, there's a good chance that he's signing that deal. Um, right now, the, the, the whole thing that's keeping it up is he wants a trade clause, right? He wants an opt-out because he's like, yo, look, if you guys keep fucking sucking, I don't want to be here. I want to win one time in my life. Which you know, you kind of you kind of want to do there. Um, but so we'll we'll see what happens with that. Brian Reynolds seems like he's gonna be staying in, in Pittsburgh Pittsburgh for the time being. Um, but yeah, man, that that kind of that kind of uh, wraps up our first weekend, man. Is there is there anything else you guys want want to add to this? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, for me, uh, I'm wondering what you guys think if this Texas Rangers lineup is that real. Twenty seven. I get it. it's not gonna be. They're not gonna average you know, ten runs a game, but. They're looking pretty good, and they did it against some aces and Nola and uh, and Wheeler, and they let uh, Mr. Degrom off the hook by their offensive explosion. You guys think that the Rangers' offense is this real? Hmm. I, I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no for the for the long term, but I think it, I think it's more of just like a you have to look at the whole team, like the I, like like we talked about before. I think I think the Bruce Bochy addition and, and a lot of people. Like a lot of people are gonna forget that like Bruce Bochy is the manager of the Rangers. <laughs> like I don't think a lot of like casual fans like realize yet that Bruce Bochy came out of retirement and is like a manager again in the MLB. That's gonna be a significant change. I think we we talked about it before. Look, you have Corey Seager, you have Marcus Simeon, you have uh, Nathaniel Lowell. You have three three guys who we all had in our top ten for at, for their positions. You know, coming into the coming into the season. So they have like quality guys in that lineup. I think I think on their end, it's more of just like they still meet, like miss that piece that's going to take them like over the top. But I think that's going to come with you having a show that your lineup can at least be a little bit consistent. And then the whole Bruce Bochy effect. Again, if Bruce Bochy is unable to land the superstar hitter within the next three seasons, I'll be highly surprised. And I think that is what it's going to take for the Rangers to Finally, we look at the Rangers like, oh, yeah, this this lineup and this team might be the team to, you know, take the AOS this season away from the Astros type of thing. I'm on board. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Rangers. The, the biggest thing that, that – the reason why I don't have Rangers being as good as they are, as, as they can be, is the pitching. I, look, yo, DeGrom, are you going to pitch more than 90 innings this year? I personally don't think so. Your first outing doesn't, doesn't scream fucking positivity. Uh, second thing is – there's a lot of secondary pieces on that team, like Adolis Garcia, who nobody talks about. He's a pretty good outfielder, right? Like, if you, if you look at his numbers, he's produced. And, like, we're not going to talk about him because he hasn't produced enough where it's like, oh, superstar level or all-star level. 
But he's right on the borderline of those guys that we're ranking in the top 20. Right? If you look at his numbers compared to some of the guys we have there, he's up there with like the Ian Haps. He's up there with the Ben Attendees. I think last year he had like an over five war kind of thing or over four war. He's a good player. Josh Jung, third base. I don't know if he's going to be Gunnar Henderson type. Is there a world where he produces and, and he can be a major league player? I think there is. Like, I, I agree with Rob. They're probably like a guy away from being legitimate because, you know, if Seeker and Simeon are what you expect to carry your team, you kind of won one. You want one big bat in the middle of that lineup that isn't any of those two guys. But honestly, I'm on I'm on Team Rangers. I think there's a world where they finish. There, there's a realistic world where they can finish third, or or even if let's say you know the Mariners, just everything bad happens to the Mariners, right? Like more guys go down. Um, there's a world where they finish second because I, I like their lineup a lot more than I like Mariners lineup. I'll tell you that much. For sure. The only other thing I got is uh, Hunter Renfro made the catch of the year already on opening day. The no look, going one way, throwing his glove out. Jesus, man. That's the only good thing the Angels have done so far besides Otani's start. That was amazing. Otani's start, that catch, fisticuffs in the fucking stands, and you still lose the fucking opening day game. That's that's ridiculous, man. It's entertainment, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's the Savannah Bananas and the Los Angeles Angels right there when it comes to, to all-around family entertainment, you know? It's the WWE <laughs> of baseball. <laughs> Yo, they need, they need Will Ferrell just handling all their promotions. Like, get a ring with, with uh, Anthony Rendon during the seven-inning stretch. We let a bear out loose in the fucking stands. Whatever, man. Uh, Rob, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean... I don't know, man. It, it, it's tough to look at, at any like singular thing right now, especially because, you know, it is just the start of the season. I would I would say like people still have to pay attention. Like I mentioned before, Corbin Burns has to get out of Milwaukee, man. Like I, I, I still look at Corbin Burns as the prize of, of this season. I think the Milwaukee Brewers are going to do themselves a tremendous disservice if they hold on to Corbin Burns, because, again, we have a situation where like we know that uh, that you have an annoyed an annoyed starting pitcher who is one of the best start, one of the top five pitchers in the game right now. At what point in time is there any better time to get more value for him than now? And a lot of teams, not for nothing, like that's another thing that I was going to mention too. We have to see how a lot of these teams end up adjusting long-term. I don't want to try to predict like long-term injuries or anything like that, but we've seen a lot of contenders lose starting pitching early. We've seen the Yankees lose Rondon, Montes Severino. We've seen the Mets lose Verlander. We've seen uh, the, the Seattle Manners lose Robbie Ray. You know, it doesn't matter what my opinion on Robbie Ray is, but he, he is one of their starters, you know. So for a lot of teams, we see a team like the St. Louis Cardinals who don't necessarily have an a arm that, that stands out. I don't care what people want to say about Jordan Montgomery. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not one of the stars in the league. Um, I think a, a lot of contenders are in a position where they can put a package together to acquire a guy like Corbin Burns, and that could end up being a difference maker. Because, and don't let don't let this season go by. I'm telling you, the Milwaukee Brewers are not a significant enough team to make Corbin Burns' numbers look that much better. You get what I'm saying? Like it's it's it could be a season where Corbin Burns puts up not Corbin Burns' numbers, but it might not necessarily be his fault because I don't think you have a lineup that can that can back you up right now. So. Don't let the season go by and let Corbin Burns' value drop. And then it's like you 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 get Corbin Burns is out of there like for nothing. It's it's one of those things where you should really take advantage of the situation. Um, and I'm sorry to Brewers fans. I just don't see I don't see a world where they're they smell anything close to to contention or being a significant baseball team right now. 
You know what sucks about the Corbin Bird situation? I thought he was a free agent coming up this year. He's not free agent until 2025. Yeah. So there's a world where they keep him this year and they keep him next year, which if you're Corbin Burns, you're probably thinking, yo, what's the suicide hotline in Milwaukee? Like, who, who do I call? Giannis, put me at shooting guard or something, bro. I'm tired of this shit. Dude, it's um, too much time. It's too much time. Like, it, like two or three, two or three years, like, it's like, yo, Corbin, Corbin Burns blows his arm out. What are you doing now? Like you're, you're nothing like you lose him for nothing. And like, you don't get anything in return either. And again, don't want, I don't want to predict injuries or anything like that, but it's like, at some point you just have to, you have to grow some balls. Like that, that's all it really is. Like you have to look at your team. You have to realize that your team is not good enough. Like, like dude, imagine a world where the Milwaukee Brewers made the postseason. They're honestly, they're, they're going to get slaughtered. I would say they get slaughtered a series with the Dodgers, a series with the Braves, even a series with the Padres who I'm not confident in. They, they would get slaughtered. Like, it's just like, I don't think it's a good situation for them to be in. I think when you have that level of talent, like, and, and, and they shot themselves in the foot, right? Like you don't really, at least, at least with the, when we go back to the Aaron judge arbitration situation, we knew that judge wanted to stay there and the Yankees were just, you know, on some petty shit, but we knew that the Yankees were like preparing to, you know, come up with this massive extension for him. Right. Like with the Brewers, it's like, is Corbin Burns going to sign a 200 something million dollar extension with the Brewers? No. Like he's not, he's not going to stay in Milwaukee for that, for that level of money. So it's, you have to take advantage of those situations now, especially when the need is starting to show itself. Now, now it's like, get ready for deadline season. If a lot of these teams can't get their starting pitchers back in time, or even then, like, you know, time goes by, Aaron Nola goes down, Zach Wheeler goes down or something for the Philadelphia Phillies. A lot of those teams are going to be looking for a, a arm to kind of pick them back up and, you know, get their postseason hopes back in the, on the right track. Corbin Burns is going to be that name. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play Yankee GM real quick. Milwaukee, call us. Look, we have an MLB ready shortstop that we have to have in the AAA because we don't have space, right? You can have you can have um, Oswald Peraza. Uh, you can also have Andre Shapiro, who's like MLB ready for, for for all intents and purposes. We just have a log jam because of uh, Donaldson and, and Rizzo. Uh, we're signing Matsuzaka next year anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. We don't need a third baseman. Throwing that out there in the world. Uh, you can also have Debbie Garcia, who's who's been uh, great out of the bullpen so far, and he looks like he's he's back up his velocity. We'll send you a package, you guys. Have Clark Schmidt too. Throw, just give us Burns. We'll, we'll have it, dude. You want can, Austin, you we want Austin <laughs> Wells or a Spencer Jones? Like take, take your yeah, pick yeah. between the two. No, like, you can't, I, like you can't, you, I'm not I'm I, not giving I, you Dominguez. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not giving you Dominguez. I'm, I'm drawing the line at Dominguez and Spencer Jones. Anybody else? Yeah, but Spencer Jones and Dominguez. You guys you guys are Yankees for life. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, like that, but that's the pack that realistically, like that's the type of package that it's going to take. Like any team that's going to trade for Corbin Burns, you have to give like at least at the minimum, one of your top five prospects, probably like one or two of your top 10, top 15 on top of that, maybe like an MLB piece, like throw in a, a bullpen piece for, for a team that has a, a really good bullpen. But again, when you're making these types of trades, like that's the type of value that you're going to have to give up. And, and even then, it's not going to be a situation where Milwaukee's immediately going to go to contention, right? Like Milwaukee has a lot of work to do outside of Corbin Burns to fix that entire team up. So I don't know, you man. Know the, we problem could... is the, the problem is that the Brewers don't think they have a lot of work to do, right? They've made the playoffs over and over again with this like duct tape lineup. Like, ha we we did enough. Plus now we, now we get an extra playoff slot. We'll, we'll work with what we got. We'll, we'll see what we got. Cause I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Milwaukee's more interested in the playoff revenue than they are in actually making an impact to, to win a World Series. Like, honestly, like, that's the way it feels like, right? A lot like the Rays. Like, look, the Rays have done great things, and I'm sure their front office really cares about what they're doing. Ownership, I think ownership is just, hey, we don't want to spend any money. 
We'd rather pay you guys who aren't the athletes. Make this shit work. Give us a playoffs. Give us a few more games to, to make some more money on, and we're happy with it. The Rays literally did a presentation for their wild card spot banner. That, oh my that god! Says, yeah. That says oh exactly my. what their intentions are, and I think you're right on with the Brewers. Is that they just want to make the playoffs? They are they are not worried about World Series. You do not unveil a wild card banner and tell me, look me in the fan fans face and say we want the World Series. Yo, it, it's like that. Um, fuck, I hate TikTok because I hate the movie fucking Moneyball. And like Moneyball, like scenes keep coming up on my fucking TikToks, and it's like that thing where where people say like, you know what, just make the playoffs, and after that, it's a crapshoot. Like, no, bitch, your team's not good enough to beat other major league competition. It's not just a crapshoot, right? Like, like last two seasons, Astros, fucking Braves, we'll count the Mickey Mouse World Series and the Dodgers. Those are legitimate MLB rosters, right? Even even fucking when when the Nationals won, you had Max Scherzer. You had Corbin Burns before the fucking Monstars came down and took his fucking talent. You had Juan Soto, right? You had Anthony Rendon who's playing out of his fucking mind. These weren't pieced together guys. These were good teams that went on a run. You know what I mean? So, dude, even if you take it back to the fucking Royals, who I think might have won it with one of the lowest payrolls in, in like our recent history, right? They still had guys that had developed for fucking half a decade, right? Like Eric Hosmer and, and Lorenzo Cain and all these guys who – they're major league baseball players that came up through their system. It just happened to be that they finally pieced it together, right? Like, Irvin Santana was, was a major league pitcher who was pitching well for that time. Like, it's just one of those things where it, they didn't piece it together. And, it, like, yes, analytics went into it, obviously. But they didn't, like, try to piece together something out of, like, the fucking garbage bin at the fucking Salvation Army and say, hey, look, we got a team. No, like, they, they, they either invested through the development in the minor league system or they invested at the major league level, like, like, like with the Dodgers and the Padres and the Yankees and the Mets do, right? So, you know, if you're happy with, by the way, that's embarrassing. If the Yankees ever have a a, a wild card, we made it fucking banner up. Bro, I rip that. I rip that shit down. I'd go I'll, over there yeah, and rip that shit. Down. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if the Yankees ever put up anything like that, like a wild card, fucking, I'm gonna be, I'm, I'll be a Met fan because at that point we're just like those losers. You know what I mean? Um, Dude, honestly, like, what the fuck are we doing? No, but it, it's look, it, it it's it's like you mentioned, right? It's like it might seem boring in the moment, but there's a reason why every time that we get on here and we talk about, hey, who are the teams that you predict to make the postseason this year? There's a reason why there's only maybe one or two spots that change at, like year in and year out because you know the teams that are spending money, you know the teams that have top prospects that are going up, and you know the teams that are in the business of like. Let's try to make the postseason and get a little additional revenue. And if we do, yay. Like, it's like, yo, like, that's what it is. That's what I say. The Colorado Rockies are a team like that. You are playing to have this magical run. And if we make a wild card, woo! Like, that is that is literally what it is. At least the Pirates have some prospects that they could lean on. And, like, we know that, you know, their owner their ownership is, like, cheap. But they're, they have some, like, prospects and things like that. And And... To be fair, they're trying to spend a little bit more money, right? Even with the Brian Reynolds extension, that would that would be the, the biggest extension that they've ever given one of their players. So, like, at least they're trying to spend a little money. Some of these teams are just are just not in the market of producing winning baseball. Yeah. I mean, look, I hate to say it because the Guardians have been good the last couple of years, but Guardians typically end up in that, like, hey, we're going to piece the shit together. If, if, if we're in it, we're in it. Fuck it, right? Like, you know, we have a great manager and, and we have a team that, that looks good right now. But, like, they're not spenders, right? I think their biggest contract ever went to, like, was it Carlos Santana or some shit? Yeah. I, I don't know. Dude, you know, what, you know what was the crazy thing? I saw a thing on Twitter the other day where it was comparing, um, like, Francisco Lindor going to the Mets, right? Like, that, that yeah. Cleveland and, and New York trade. Francisco Lindor going to the Mets, and they were like, 
Oh, and look at the look at um the value that we got for you know uh the Francisco Lindor contract with the Mets, and this is what the contract for Jose Ramirez is, and the contract for extension for Andres Jimenez. And I'm like, I'm taking a step back, and I'm like, well, this is where context is important because we're not going to sit here and act like Jose Ramirez didn't choose to be underpaid. Like, like again, right. Jose Ramirez is worth way more than a 25 million AAV player. He chose th- to take that contract to stay in Cleveland. That does not mean that Jose Ramirez is not a 300 million dollar player. Like, which he def- he a hundred thousand percent is. Like, you know, it's like that's why context is important in these types of conversations. We also can't act like. Francisco Lindor wasn't arguably the most important player for the Mets last season with the season that he had as well, you know? So it's not like this isn't Francisco Lindor's first season in New York where it's like some low value shit. It's like, you can say that the trade is working out for both sides, but still while providing a little bit of context to the situation. Right. No, man, I, look, uh, thing I'll end off on is, and I say this shit every, every season, I don't care about your record. I don't care about your numbers until we hit fucking June. Right, mid mid middle of June, kind of, or, sorry, like middle May towards June is kind of where I'm like, okay, let's let's see what you got, right? Because we've seen teams that like are the fucking seller, come come like May first, and then oh look who's in the playoffs, right? Um, we see guys, uh, Chris Shelton, if anybody remembers that name, right? Uh, twelve home runs, month fucking April, never heard of that motherfucker again, right? I'm pretty sure it works at my local Target, like it's it's one of those things where. Keep this shit in perspective, right? It, it's a long ass season. It's a it's a marathon. Um, you know, I things are gonna happen, right? Guess what? Dodgers are gonna lose to the Rockies as well. Does that mean the Dodgers suck? No, right? Um, Red Sox are gonna win a game. Does that mean they're gonna win two games? Probably not. Uh, but my point is with 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 everyone, right? Players too, right? Like, keep in mind that it's not like one game. It's not the NFL. Right, we only have seventeen games, and every game is like matters like that, right? And not that the games don't matter, but statistics change, right? It's more, it's more an average based kind of kind of game. Um, so if I hear, I swear to God, if I hear someone tell me in the next few fucking days, CJ Cron is better than Mike Trout because look at the fucking numbers, I'll fucking kill you myself. That that is a threat, bro. Right? What's the C, what's the I'm CJ Cron home run total prediction? But with that. But that What's what's the CJ Cron home run total prediction? Because I'll, I'll I'll preface this by saying CJ Cron has never had more than thirty home runs in a season. What's the, what's the CJ Cron home run 54, total? No. Fifty four home runs. Book it. Yeah, now 30, 35, 35 sounds, sounds a little more decent. I mean, he, look, he plays in Colorado. Um, he has two for now. For, for now, yeah. right? For now, he played. He, 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 he's got two at Petco, which is traditionally one of the harder places to hit home runs. I think he, he, I'll say this, he goes over his, his uh, career high. So anywhere between 30 and 35, I'm not like shocked and I'm not mad at, right? Like, I also think he, he hits 940, right? Like as an average, just cause, right? Like, no, nah, I'm kidding. But no, I, yeah, 30 to 35, I think, it, I think it's fair. Word. All right. Well, we're getting the fuck out of here. We'll catch you guys next week. Enjoy this next full week of baseball. We hope your team does good, but not too good, because I swear to God, I will smack you if you come at me. Um, Just kidding. I'm not violent. Peace out.